This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Ambulatory Surgery Center's podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Andrew Shadid, CEO of Genesis Orthopedics and Sports Medicine in Chicago. Andrew, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Laura. Glad to be here. Now, before we dive into the questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Definitely. I uh, am currently CEO of Genesis, as you had mentioned earlier. I've been at the practice for about six years, uh, coming on six years here in just a few more months. My background had me studying social entrepreneurship back in my undergrad and transitioning to business degree at Dartmouth as it relates to similar principles, which you know is foundational in some of my growth and some of the ideas that we're pursuing at the practice. Uh, from there, I, I was able to join Genesis, where we're on a mission to increase access to orthopedic care for all people, uh, including those really that we're thinking about on the bottom of society, those with Medicaid that are uninsured, those that really we traditionally think can't afford our services and one of the most expensive specialties. And uh we really hope to continue expanding around the state of Illinois and potentially beyond that at some point, uh, bringing more people into the fold of those who can access care um, and doing so in a way that is financially sustainable, you know, for our organization. Got it. Wow. That's, you know, a fascinating mission and obviously a very worthy one, especially when you think about increasing access, how are you able to do that and make it make sense for your center as well as the community at large? Definitely. So if I go back kind of on the narrative of this, our practice was probably like most for 20 years uh, since our founding in which, you know, we, we took care of the patients that really made financial sense. We looked at, you know, the issue of rising Medicaid numbers and uninsured numbers is really a problem of the state or a problem of the federal government, not necessarily one that we had influence over. And as we learned more and more about the economics of healthcare, but also about the social uh, despair that many of these patients had and lacking access to quality care. We really decided that we needed to make this part of our mission to to help expand access. As we uh, started taking on more and more patients of, you know, different socioeconomic backgrounds, again, with probably what we would call worse payer mix, right? If we're using terms that we use in our boardrooms, uh, you know, many people would call it a worse payer mix. We just call it a different one. That This different payer mix required us to really think of a different economic model to service them. And we've spent the last five years really trying to craft what that model looks like. Ironically, it's using a lot of the things that we saw as, you know, make uh headlines back during the early COVID days, which is telemedicine and, uh, you know, helping people access care from their homes and not having to drive and using, you know, what we call a theme of having people operate at the top of their license uh, so that you're not asking expensive labor to do things that other people can be doing, so on and so forth. But it's caused us to have to really rethink our operating model from, you know, the, the beginning in order to to make a successful care delivery model that at the end of the day pays all the bills and hopefully uh, rewards the physician for, for their innovation. Absolutely. That's fantastic to hear that you've been able to work on that and find something that, you know, develop a model that has made sense for your centers and your community as well. 
Now, uh, thinking about obviously this past year with COVID-19 has been extremely challenging for many reasons. What are the three top most interesting trends that you're following in healthcare right now? So one of the things that's hitting the news in some circles is this concept of social determinants of health. This is, you know, an idea that uh, a lot of our healthcare is based on, you know, social items that we wouldn't always, uh, you know, directly uh, graph, you know, against healthcare outcomes, except more and more researchers have been doing it and they've shown that there's actually a correlation. These are things like access to transportation or access to food sources or, you know, their educational level growing up. Things that, again, once you research them a little bit more, make perfect sense as to why someone's educational level might lead to worse healthcare outcomes or their access to nutrition might lead to worse healthcare outcomes. But it's only really been researched in the last 15 years uh, in a significant manner. What we found in Chicago specifically is that there are certain neighborhoods that are neighboring neighborhoods, if you will. They share some border boundary, you know, uh, right across the street is a different place. Um, and where significant income inequality exists, there's also significant life expectancy. Sometimes this life expectancy between, you know, neighborhoods such as like the Austin neighborhood of Chicago on the far west side and uh, Lakeview East, right, right kind of downtown near the loop, it's more than 20 years where some people are living to live to be in their 80s and maybe 90s. But in the Austin neighborhood, life expectancy is only, you know, late 50s or 60s. And one of the things that is being used to explain that is this concept of social determinants of health. Uh, and so that's something that we're, you know, looking at a whole lot. Uh, accessibility, I think, is a whole nother thing that is a trend right now. Uh, we've seen a rise in accessibility through this concept of telemedicine that, again, I had mentioned earlier in our conversation, but telemedicine's really been impactful in expanding access to care. What we need to now figure out as a healthcare community is where is telemedicine permissible and helpful and, and where is it really not as helpful? In a place like orthopedic care, you know, you can't do a telemedicine surgery right now. There are things that have to be done in person. And telemedicine MRI, right? That's not a thing. Uh, it would be impossible to, to have that type of service provided, at least in our current, you know, time, maybe when iPhones become advanced enough to do MRIs, then we'll uh, be able to, to offer more services like that. But until then, we're limited in, in that ability. And so we're, I think as a healthcare community, the other thing we're following is what things can be automated, what things can be moved to technology, where can we use remote monitoring services and where can't we? What are the things that, you know, our technology isn't advanced enough to to contribute? I think as we learn those two things, really the last trend that is impacting both of those is value. How do we deliver value? And where we are able to offer things like telemedicine and understand social determinants of health, we, I think we are going to find significant pockets of, of value that can be provided. Look at an organization like Oak Street Health that found you know, increased hospital utilization was leading to a 
you know, abundance of of claims and dollars spent that otherwise didn't need to be primarily in, in indigent communities. And Oak Street now is a public company that uh, made out very, very well because of their ability to pick up on this trend uh, of, you know, of care not being delivered efficiently. They happen to be in the primary care space, but again, a lot of the things that they were trying to avoid, which is hospitalizations, and readmissions are things that we talk about all the time in the orthopedics and ASC space as to why our facilities and our practices are better than, you know, than others that, that might be out there. And so for us, these are the, really the three things right now that we're, that we're focusing on. Absolutely. I think, you know, all of those things and the trends that you mentioned, social determinants of health, the accessibility and technology with telemedicine as well as automation and then delivering value, obviously are front of mind for lots of healthcare leaders. Thinking about all those trends, what are your top priorities today for the center? For us, it's it's playing off of those three, but it's, you know, I had mentioned earlier that access is something that we're really passionate about as an organization, both because of its social utility and also, you know, the opportunity to help us grow. Uh, we believe that you know, there are healthcare deserts that exist where, you know, people don't have access that otherwise should. And, and being able to put clinics and facilities into these neighborhoods that are, we traditionally think of as less well off or, uh, you know, that, that maybe can't support a center, we're hopefully going to try and show that that's actually not the case, that there is a way for that to happen. But in order to do so, again, our second priority, I would say, is we have to lower cost. And again, to those of us in the ASC space and the orthopedic space, this is something that we've been talking about, you know, and Becker's has been leading the way on for the last 20 plus years uh, in, in really making this a priority is, you know, how do we think about value-based care and bundles and uh, putting together packages that are that are cost uh, you know inclusive uh, of you know certain certain uh, procedures but then being able to to offer those at higher value and those are really the two things i think that that are driving us forward increasing access lowering cost got it that's that's really fascinating obviously it's such an important aspect of the mission like you said in, in terms of being able to put um, facilities into some of those, you know, underserved neighborhoods or neighborhoods that don't have access to care. Um, I know at the men- beginning of our conversation too, you mentioned expanding um, Genesis, you know, in Illinois, but as well across state lines, potentially. How are you thinking about growth for the future? And, you know, what are you really planning on doing in order to achieve those goals? So again, a great question, especially in the midst of the COVID uncertainty. I think everyone was Kind of wary of of what growth looked like. I don't know that any of us said no to growth at the time, but we there's so much in the air, and maybe we're in another period like that here coming up. Hopefully not, but with other variants, you know, maybe throwing a little bit of a hiccup in in all of our plans. Now, certainly, the labor market for those of us that have run organizations is another thing that is uh, on the top of our minds. Are we able to find the people and the skill sets that are required to, to help our organizations? Uh, as we know it, you know, if it weren't for them, we really wouldn't be able to do anything. And so those two things, you know, as they resolve themselves, hopefully, you know, without 
too much more intervention needed. Uh, as they, you know, self-resolve, we'll be able to see, you know, more growth. I can tell you that we have a list of lots, dozens of, you know, entities and facilities that have come to us independently and asked us if we'd be willing to be supportive of, you know, of them and to them uh, in various ways. And so growth, you know, feels a little bit easier, you know, from that point of view in terms of crafting a strategy and so on. I think the questions that we have right now are, you know, do the do the practitioners and the staff exist and can we find them? Can we recruit them to this mission in a meaningful way that uh, would ultimately uh, allow us to continue to provide this service to more people, maybe here in Illinois and, and eventually beyond? Andrew, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a really fantastic discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me and hope you have a great day.